Welcome back to the latest edition of Kansas City's Northeast Newscast. I'm your host, Paul Thompson, and this week's episode is dedicated to the memory of Kansas City, Missouri firefighter John Mesh. Mesh's ties to the historic Northeast community run deep. He attended grade school at Holy Cross Catholic School, and when he joined the Kansas City, Missouri Fire Department in 2002, he became a member of Pumper 10 in the historic Northeast. Battling a two-alarm blaze on Independence Avenue on a fateful night on October 12, 2015, Mesh and fellow firefighter Larry Leggio died in the line of duty after an exterior wall collapsed upon them. Mesh's legacy, though, lives on. Through the work of his brother, Jim, and one of his friends and colleagues, John Cerna of Pumper 10. The pair conceived and created the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship shortly after his death. The charitable nonprofit that bears John Mesh's name supports one of his favorite pastimes, the outdoors. Every year, Jim Mesh and John Cerna organize a sporting clay shoot out at Powder Creek Shooting Club in Lenexa. The annual event funds the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship, which in 2017 presented a $10,000 check to the Missouri Department of Conservation, which funds the Discover Girls Nature Camp a multi-day camp which aims to introduce young girls to the outdoors. The charity of choice is an homage to John's love for nature, and also of his family. After his untimely death on that fateful night in October of 2015, John Mesh left behind a wife and four daughters. Last week, I sat down with Jim Mesh to talk about the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship as well as this year's incarnation of the check presentation to the Missouri Department of Conservation, which will be held on Saturday, February 24th at 3 p.m. at the Firefighters Memorial. Jim talks about the process of organizing the scholarship and charitable events, some memories from his brother, and recounts some of his fateful, haunting memories from that night on October 12th, 2015, that would forever change his life. Here is my conversation with the very gracious Jim Mesh, who met me at a nearby coffee shop on the morning of Friday, February 16th. Thank you for listening. All right. I got this thing started now. It's Paul Thompson here sitting alongside Jim Mesh. Uh, He is, I guess, the founder and I I guess, I don't know, maybe you can tell me what your title is there uh, in relation to the John V. Mesh. I'm actually the uh, treasurer for the John V. Mesh Scholarship. Obviously, John was my little brother, but uh, after he passed away, uh, the driver on Pumper 10, which is John Cerna, approached me and uh, asked me if I would be interested in uh, starting a scholarship and a foundation in John's name. So it was pretty much John's brainchild. You know, he's the one that actually started it. Uh, But then he asked me if I wanted to come aboard and, you know, could we do it in John's name and all that. So that's how it started. How nice was that to hear somebody who was a colleague of your brother come to you with that kind of proposal? It was awesome. I've said before uh, that it just, you know, I, my brother Mark was a fireman, and he actually worked with Larry Leggio uh, at 23s for a long time when I lived in Northeast. And I would go down to the station a lot and uh, hang out with a bunch of guys, and I, and I, you know, I got to know a bunch of guys at 23s. But at 10s, where my brother John worked, I really didn't know the guys that well because I didn't go down there like I did with 23s. Right. And uh, like you said, uh, after this incident, 
Uh, I knew John Cerna and, and uh, some of the guys, but I didn't know them well. But to know what my brother meant to them, it, it's amazing. You know? Right. And for those who don't know, this charity is, I think you've had two incarnations already of, of the event that kind Correct. of powers the charity. Correct. Um, can you talk a little bit about the event that you put together and what, what the, the charity uh, supports? Uh, the John v. Mesh, John v. Mesh Memorial Scholarship is a uh, conservation-based scholarship uh, our family growing up, uh, we were all big outdoors people, conservationists. Uh, we actually bow hunt and uh, you know enjoy the outdoors, fishing, whatever the case may be. So when uh, John Cerner approached me, he said, hey, let's do this and let's make it about conservation, something that your brother, you know, was passionate about, you know. Uh, so I was like, absolutely. So we do a uh, fundraiser, a sporting clay shoot. And this year, uh, September 15th, will be the third annual, and that is predominantly how we raise all of our funds for our charity. Uh, actually, Saturday, February 24th, will be our second annual check presentation to Missouri Department of Conservation for a Discover Nature Girls Camp, where uh, we donate money to them to sponsor a girls camp. Uh, uh, the reason being, my brother John has four daughters, and uh, he was teaching them all about conservation in the outdoors, and uh, we thought that this charity just gelled up perfect with, you know, John teaching his kids about the outdoors and all of his children being uh, girls. So uh, we support that charity, and we also give out uh, two scholarships uh, per year to uh, any anyone uh, can apply that is uh, pursuing a career in conservation, whether it be a conservation agent, botanist. Uh, you know, anything outdoor related, uh, the people can apply for this, this scholarship. Neat. Yeah, and this is um, substantial dollars we're talking about. I think the check that you presented last year to the Conservation Department was $10,000? Yes, $10,000 for the uh, Conservation Department. And I believe uh, it was either 32 or 37 girls attended the camp. Wow. That's awesome. Do you hear feedback from any of the, the attendees? Uh, is there any follow-up after the fact about what their experience was like? I Do actually, you have any repeats? Uh, actually, on that end of it, uh, conservation agent Brian Bartlett is actually in charge of that camp. Uh, okay. It was down in uh, southern Missouri last year, so I wasn't able to attend that. But he did uh, bring back uh, pictures and uh a shirt, you know, the, the camp shirt with all the little girls uh, signed the shirt and, you know, thank you letters and pictures and all that. But as far as me personally talking to any attendees, I haven't. But, but uh, it's documented? Oh, yeah. Brian, uh, he he uh, he brought back uh, a bunch of stuff and we display it uh, at our shoot. Uh, when we do the sporting clay shoot in September, we displayed the, all the stuff that uh, he brought back to us to let people see where... You know, all their donations and sponsorships and everything what that's partially going towards. Good. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the evolution of the event. Uh, I know the second one was was pretty big, and I, I'm assuming that, uh, that that is going to be a trajectory that kind of just goes that way. But uh, what are you hoping that it can become? Do you hope to expand it all, or is it is it already at, at a point where... Uh, you, you feel comfortable with it and like it, it stretches what you're actually capable of doing as just a, a couple of individuals who have kind of started this thing from scratch. Uh, I believe uh, me and uh, Cerna's ultimate goal, we, just, we want it to grow every year. Uh, my 
one of my main purposes is just to keep uh, my brother John's legacy alive, you know, and keep, uh, you know, the, what him and Larry uh, Leggio uh, died doing, you know, just keeping that legacy alive plus helping people. And, uh, uh, you know, my brother John was a real quiet guy, and I actually found out more since he passed away of the, the amount of people that he helped than I ever knew, you know, when he was alive because he's such a quiet to himself person. But, you know, unfortunately after this tragedy, you know, people approach and say, hey, your brother did this, this and that. So it just makes me proud to know what a good man he was. And I just want to keep that legacy alive and I want to keep the conservation legacy you know, going. That's what I was raised doing for my dad, my brothers, my sisters. Uh, there's a lot of guys at, at Station 10 that uh, my brother John got them into hunting. I mean, these are you know, grown men that really never hunted. And uh, there was an annual trip that these guys would make. You know, the guys Station, they would go down to my parents' uh, land down at the lake and they would hunt. And that was something that they did, you know, as a uh, camaraderie for the for firemen. And uh, my brother John was the one who, you know, got guys into that. How surreal is it to, to learn these tidbits about your brother after his passing? Uh, it's, I mean, I know, I'm not trying to sound, it's hard to explain, I guess, because uh, I knew what a good man John was. Right. Uh, he was, you know, a traditionalist. I mean, he believed in the traditions of the fire department. He was the guy that, you know, uh, like my my sister told me a story that uh, when John was, you know, like ten year old kid, they were walking to the grocery store or something. And my sister's, you know, probably fifteen years older than John. You know, she might have been twenty five at the time. He's ten or whatever the right. case may be. And they're walking the store, and he tells her, "Hey, get on the inside." You know. That the man's supposed to walk next to to the street. You right. can't be next to the curb. I mean, just stuff like that. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, my sisters told me that you know when she lives at the lake, uh, that John, you know, he would have to drive two hours back to Kansas City, and she had a 15-minute drive to go home. And he would always tell her, "Hey, make sure you call me mm -hmm. when you get home, so I know you made it home safe." Right. And he's that kind of guy. He's always. Uh, always checking up on my mother, you know, since my dad passed away, he would always check up on my mom. And uh, just, I mean, a good guy. I mean, he had a big heart. Awesome. And this event in his honor, it started with, with how many people? And The first year we had 70, about 75 participants of shooters. Mm -hmm. And this year we uh, had uh, 145 to 150 people, uh, which we are... Uh, about maxed out, but we are looking at every available option to keep expanding it because we want it to keep getting bigger and better every year. We want to help more people in John's name, and uh, we are actually uh, getting some more people that are volunteering to help as far as, you know, the, the, for lack of a better term, the day-to-day -day operations right. because, as we were talking about earlier, it it's hard for me and John Cerna to uh, operate this thing as we both have full-time jobs and families. Right. And 
Well, so you talked about possibly expanding it. Does that mean maybe opening it up on another day or doing a, two, a weekend thing or have a couple, uh, a day and a night or something like that? Yeah, Maybe a two-day event. Uh, we're still, you know, we... I don't mean to put you on the spot too much. Yeah, and like I said, we have nothing that's... Uh, no details are hammered down or, you know, ironed out. just depends on really how this year plays out, see if it keeps getting bigger. But, yeah, ultimately we'd have to either have to go to a two-day event or uh, we're actually uh, now trying to expand uh, into doing an uh, archery shoot as well. We've... Uh, been in contact with a place called uh, it's a, actually a TV show on the Outdoor Channel called Raised Hunting, mm-hmm. and it's a, a family, a husband, a wife, and their two sons do this TV show, and they have uh, bow hunting camps called Raised and Full Draw Bow Hunting Camps, and we've actually partnered up with them, and they have a 3D bow hunting camp that they do, and we're in the works of uh, bringing one of them 3D shoots here to Kansas City, so people that are you know archery people can. Uh, do the tournament here in John's name as well. Oh, cool. Nice. Well, sounds exciting. And, and I know that you kind of pulled together a bevy of sponsors. Can you maybe talk about uh, some of the sponsors that are involved and how the money gets raised? I think you mentioned before that there's an auction usually at the end of the night with donated items, right? Yes. Uh, we have a uh, silent auction for uh, its a good problem to have. Last year we had so many people donate that uh, the event itself is a pretty long deal because you have, like I said, 150 guys shooting 100 shots apiece. So that's, you know, a four or five year, four or five hour ordeal in itself. And then uh, we have a dinner and then we have an auction. So we actually, last year we had so much merchandise that people donated that we end up having a silent auction and we have a raffle as well that we set items out on a table and put, you know, coffee cans in front of that item and you buy raffle tickets when, you, when you're when you signing up for, for the, the shoot that day. You, buy, you, can, you have the option to buy raffle tickets as well and if you see an item that's on a table that's up for raffle, you put your raffle ticket in there. And if it's an item that you really, you know, want, you put all your raffle tickets in there, whatever the case may be. Right. And uh, last, the first year, we actually waited till everybody was done shooting, and then we actually, you know, pulled the raffle tickets in. But that ended up, the first year, I think we had like a 10 or 11-hour day. So we're trying not to hold people hostage all day. So last year, uh, we actually had uh, someone draw the tickets while everybody was out shooting, and we put the winner's name on the prize. And when people come back from shooting, we told them, hey, go look at the raffle items. Uh, you know, yeah. inside to see if you won. If you won, your name would be on it. Right. And as far as a silent auction, uh, once everybody was done shooting, then you go out and have your dinner, which is uh, catered by Enchamas, Hogjaw Barbecue, Cascone's Restaurant, Shumakas, uh, you know, are, are some of the sponsors. But while you're eating your dinner, uh, we announce the winners of the, the silent auction as well. And then once everybody has a chance to eat, we start doing our live auction items, which are our, you know, bigger ticket, higher priced items. And you mentioned before, I mean, the whole thing is mentally and physically taxing. Before we started here, you, you kind of relate a funny anecdote about doing that auction and having big ticket items that almost didn't make the cut, right? Correct. <laughs> we, uh, last year, like I said, me and John Cerner are, you know, basically the only full-time, so to speak, guys with this charity. Uh, 
with 100% of all the proceeds going right back into the scholarship. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, our families, both of our families help out a ton. Uh, we have a few firemen, uh, Nick Silvio uh, helps a ton, uh, Andrew Romano from uh, Company Sports, uh, Joe and uh, Don Eddings from uh, uh, E2 Embroidery. Uh, they help out with all the shirts and this, that, and the other, but as far as the day-to-day -day operations, uh, me and John Serna, you know, are the ones, uh, obviously I have people say, hey, you know, reach out to this person, they might be able to help you out in this, that, and the other, but it is a grind. It's, you know, for a one-day event, we're usually uh, going six or seven months uh, ahead of time trying to get everything organized and this, that, and the other, and uh, like I said, you know, John is a firefighter, so he has a full-time job there. He has two kids, a wife, right. uh, plus he has his own business that he does on the side that he's that he's trying to run. And uh, so it, it does get mentally draining and, and it wears you out. Uh, but to your question, uh, last year we did our auction, and, uh, you know, we were all done with the auction, uh, the live auction and I was like hey we want to you know thank everybody for coming out well then I had one of my buddies was you're like, doing the wrap up right yeah I was you know saying my farewells or whatnot and I had a buddy out there that was waving at me and I keep thinking to myself why are you waving at me trying to get my attention can't you hear I'm you know yeah. I'm so in the finally, middle of something yeah right? so finally he just said hey Jim you forgot the hunts <laughs> right so which we is had, one of like the big auction oh items. yeah we had a bunch of stuff uh, we put they have there's a clubhouse at the uh at the Powder Creek Shooting Park, and we display everything in there. And uh, some of the bigger ticket items, we have some uh, saws that were donated from Husqvarna that are, you know, too big to move, uh, just the bigger ticket stuff. And uh, we didn't bring them outside to where we were eating dinner. We just brought the smaller stuff out. So it just totally slipped my mind that, that these things were still across the street. So after I, you know, tell everybody, hey, thanks for coming, and people were walking to the cars and I said, like, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, we still got it. Nice. So, yeah, pretty well, draining. Um, so if uh, somebody wanted to help maybe, what would be the, the, the method for somebody to get in touch to maybe reach out to you to try to join up and help out a little bit? Uh, you can either go, uh, we have a... Um, a website, uh, johnvmesh.org, that you can message us there, or uh, there's a Facebook page, it's a 363 Hunt Club, uh, 363 is my brother John's badge number, and there is a, a Facebook page that uh, you can message us as well, that, and it has all of our contact information on both of those sites. Good. And I know we touched a little bit about it earlier, I will do an introduction where I explain kind of what happened. Uh, and why this event takes place so that we don't have to dive into it right at the top. But can you maybe discuss a little bit about that fateful night and what, how you found out that John had been involved in an incident? Uh, yeah, I was actually uh, at home. I just got done uh, watching the Royals-Houston uh, Astros game, and I remember... Uh, the Royals were winning the game, and they, you know, started losing. And I'm the kind of fan that, you know, I get irritated pretty quickly, so I actually changed the channel. And then, uh, you know, I was just sitting in my bedroom watching it, and I changed the channel, and then I, you know, sat there for a few minutes like, oh, I got to watch, I got to watch. So I changed it back, and we ended up coming back and winning the game. And I remember it was, you know, I was so happy. I'm a big Royals diehard. And uh, so I was just sitting in my bedroom reading a book, and uh, my phone rang. And uh, I didn't have the TV on, which is 
was so uncommon for me. And uh, my phone rang, and it was a number that I didn't recognize. And I normally, I don't want to say screen my calls, but I don't answer if I don't know the number. But if for some reason I answered the phone and uh, uh, said, hello, and uh, the guy said, Jim, what are you doing? And I said, who is this? And he said, Mark. And I was like, Mark who? And he said, your brother. And at this time, I had no idea that anything had even happened. And if you told me that I wouldn't recognize my brother's voice, I would say that impossible. I talk to him every day. You know, I could pick him out of a thousand guys, but for whatever reason at that time, I didn't know who it was. And uh, so he said, your brother. And I said, uh, what number you called me from? And he told me, he goes, you need to get to TMC, you know, which is Truman Medical Center. And uh, my first thought was something happened to my mother. And uh, I go, so I asked him, I said, what's wrong? And right when I said that, I realized that, you know, I know TMC, unfortunately, I'd been there before uh, for friends that are firefighters that hadn't been transported in there. So he said, uh, just get to the hospital, John's been hurt. And uh, that's how I found out. Wow. You get to Truman Medical Center, and what do you see? Uh, I actually, uh, when I pulled up, uh, I parked uh, right in the emergency. You know, I didn't know where to go. Uh, like I said before, I'd actually been down there a couple times before with uh other friends that, you know, firefighters that had been hurt or burned, uh, and I pulled up there and there's just, you know, almost every firefighter can see that seemed like was down there, uh, but I pulled up in the emergency parking lot and uh, I seen a policeman walking towards me and uh, I was thinking to myself, really I don't want to deal with this right now, I don't want this guy telling me to move my truck, I'm, you know, already, you know, not, you know, wanting to, you know, talk to anybody, so to speak. And the uh, policeman walked up to me and says, hey, man, he goes, uh, just leave me, leave the keys in it. I'll find you here in a little bit. How he knew who I was was beyond me. But uh, that night, the Kansas City Police Department and the uh, Truman Medical Center uh, couldn't have been any more uh, helpful and uh Accommodating. I mean, it was amazing uh, what they did for us uh, through the whole ordeal. I, can, I just can't imagine what that's like. How have you have you taken it in the interim? I mean, how have you been able to move on, if at all? Uh, actually, uh, I think the charity helps a lot. You know, keeping John's legacy alive. But uh, you know, you always hear you know time heals and. Uh, in this instance, that's that's really not the case. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's because you know John was my you know youngest sibling, uh, you know uh, what happened to him, but uh, it's hurts now as much as it did you know the day it happened. I mean, I think of him now. Uh, sometimes I've you know, sort of feel guilty for people that I talk to on a daily basis because they always got to hear me either talking about this charity or talking about my brother or something like that. And I, it's not that people don't, you know, 
but I just, for me personally, you know, I'm like, oh, he wasn't their brother. You know, I don't want to burden him with constantly, you know, bringing up bad memories, but it's it's always on my mind, just like, you know, my, my siblings and my mom and, you know, guys at the station, you know. Uh, all of us have our moments, as I'm sure that, you know, uh, Larry's family as well. You know, I'm still in contact with his family, and, you know, there's just days that, you know, something will hit you, and you can just tell from as soon as you get up, it's going to be one of those days. Right. Well, I appreciate you being willing to talk about it. And that concludes my interview with Jim Mesh. I'd be remiss if I didn't thank Jim once again for being willing to talk about something so near and dear to his heart that obviously still touches him on a day-to-day basis. So thank you to Jim for your graciousness, and thank you for the work you're doing to continue John's legacy with the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. Once again, I'd like to remind everybody how they can get involved in supporting the John V. Mesh Memorial Scholarship. This Saturday, February 24th, at 3 p.m. at the Firefighters Memorial, Jim Mesh and John Cerner will present a check to the Missouri Department of Conservation to fund another year of Discover Girls Nature Camp. If you'd like to attend the fundraiser next year, they've already set a date. Saturday, September 15th, with a tentative 1 p.m. start. To learn more, go to johnvmesh.org or visit the 363 Hunt Club Facebook page. Thank you for listening, and thank you once again to Jim Mesh for taking the time to talk to us.